You know we love spooky things. This is why we fell in love with Michigan-based Lynn B. Designs. When I popped the pumpkin spice all the things wax melt into my burner, my home was filled with a delicious buttery scent. Plus, there's the wide variety of a gorgeous nail polishes with themes like Hocus Pocus and Pleasant Peninsula. All products are vegan and cruelty-free, and you can find monthly sales on Facebook and Instagram at Lynn B. Designs. Head to lynnbdesigns.store today. Again, that's L-Y-N-B-designs.store. We love them. We love you. It's great nail polish. It's the best I've ever used. Thanks! Michiganders can be a superstitious bunch. We find all sorts of reasons to explain the world around us, sometimes pulling from science, sometimes tradition, and sometimes from our imaginations. What happens when we can't readily explain our experiences? And what happens when a ghost story gets out of hand? Do these legends stem entirely from fantasy, or are people seeing things no one can truly explain? I'm Krista K. Coburn. And I'm Kay Gray. Welcome to Haunted Mitten. Unless you're from there, you probably can't pronounce this city's name at first glance. My family still has problems, and I've been living here for years. Ypsilanti was named after Demetrius Ypsilantis, a Greek hero in their war for independence. There's actually a town in one of the Dakotas with the same name for the same reason, but we're not talking about them. Ypsilanti started off as a trading post created by a Montreal fur trader, big surprise, along the Huron River and was later more solidly established on one side of the river as Woodruff's Grove by Major Thomas Woodruff around 1823. It was the first solid settlement in Washtenaw County. Ypsilanti was created on the other side of the river around 1825 by three prominent settlers in the area. A fire destroyed the school in Woodruff's Grove and it was decided the town would merge with Ypsilanti. Ypsi was created in a very good spot. The crossing for the Huron River named the Chicago Road, was built just over a mile from the village. It also gained three stagecoach lines when they became available to Detroit in 1830, and with easy access to travel came the residents. And it only grew from there. The railroad depot, which can be found in Ipsy's Depot Town, was constructed in 1838. From there, the little town gained more people and eventually became the city we all know, love, and can't pronounce. We want to take a moment to say that Even the city's website claims it was founded on what was a, sigh, Native American camping and burial ground. Do we even need to reiterate how we feel about that claim? I hope not. We obviously can't tell you if that's actually true or not, but you know our feelings on the topic. I have read that there's a portion of the neighborhood portion of Depot Town where they actually have dug up bodies. Okay. Um, But... (laughs) I mean, <laughs> I mean, sure, people have been buried all over the place. So yeah, other than they have apparently found bodies, I can't really tell you what that means. Right. Like bodies from who? Bodies from what time period? Yeah. Like and... presumably the, the native population. But I mean, did they have uh, like cemeteries or graveyards like we, like Christians do? Like I'll Westerners be completely do? honest. I have no idea. And, and there are even settlers that weren't buried in cemeteries right so i mean if people have been living here for millennia 
you're probably gonna find bodies. <laughs> They're all I, over I, the place. <laughs> I am not an expert. I'm not an archaeologist. I'm not an anthropologist. So what these no, uh, bodies really mean, I don't know. I don't but know. but yeah, they're of course they're bodies. Right. It just bugs <laughs> me that like even the website is like, Ipsy was founded on a Native American camping and burial ground. I'm like, one, those would not be the same probably you don't you tend to not have dead yeah, people. yeah you tend not to live <laughs> where your dead people are buried um just like you don't didn't typically live like on top of your outhouse right um, so uh, it's i mean it's a it's a broad city so yeah maybe the burial ground was like over a depot town and the camping was closer to downtown i don't know i have no idea but it's like all right website like let's like i didn't find any of the stuff that I read about the trading post or any of that from the website I found mm-hmm. it from newspapers and wikipedia like right so even the way even ipsy's website is like yeah we were you know native american stuff and I'm like what about what about the rest of the people we're just gonna not pay attention to the actual beginnings of the te- okay fine pretty much pretty much yeah <laughs> okay we're starting off this episode strong with a bunch of complaints about our town. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to know more, but it was it what we did find was hard to find, frankly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um Ipsy does not like to give up its secret. Yeah, for being <laughs> you know, one of the oldest settlements in our our county. It's it's a bit of a sleeper. Yeah. <laughs> for real. But just despite uh seeming like a chill and, and kind of sleepy town. Ypsilanti has been the center of some important happenings in Michigan and the U.S. Willow Run Airport is just next door, and it and its factories played a huge role in World War II. And where would the world be without Domino's Pizza, founded in Ipsy in 1960? I could talk about that the guy that founded it for, like, ages, and I won't, but just know that he was a really horrible guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he also founded Domino Farms, which I didn't connect until I was listening to an to a biography about him. I didn't actually until I asked Greg about it. Yeah, and I he did. was like, "Oh yeah, same guy." That's like, they were you know they're a huge family in this area, and I was like, "Really?" Yeah, huh. I never connected it that 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 the farms was the same as the pizza. <laughs> yeah, well, I I guess I didn't realize Domino's was a family. Or like connected to a family. Connected to, because yeah, the, yeah. The, the name Domino's comes from the pizza place that the guy, I can't remember his name, that the guy bought that was called uh, Dominic's. Yeah. And he changed the name. It's like, yeah, I didn't, because like, why would a corporation found a farm? But if it's connected to a person, like a yeah. specific person or family, that it, it makes sense to me. Yep. It was one dude. Yeah. And anyway. what little little Caesars and some other pizza chains also started in the in Southeast Michigan. So you're welcome, America. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, uh, John Tenney just posted a thing on Twitter the other day about we may not have what is considered like the best pizza or the most iconic pizza, but Michigan is huge in the name of pizza. We gave the we gave the country most of its chains. Yeah. I think that's such an interesting thing to give, right? We get pizza, man. Little Caesars is great. Yeah, I do love pizza. <laughs> I do love pizza. <laughs> yeah. Plus, speaking of uh, icons here, 
<laughs> Infamous. You cannot miss the Ipsy Water Tower. Uh, we affectionately call it the Brick Dick for a reason. And by <laughs> we, I mean not just us, like everybody. everyone. Everyone. This isn't like a, like a haunted mitten thing. Like this is, yeah, no, I was introduced is... to it when I moved here as the Brick Dick. Yeah, I was, um, I wasn't driving, I don't think. I think I was with friends and we were giving someone a ride home. And uh, the instructions were turn right at the brick dick. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I looked and I was like, oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, right. Yeah, the giant dick made out of brick. I got it now. Yep. And I remember I was in college and a, a guy I knew was from um, Ipsy, I believe. And uh, it hit, the tower had won an award, most phallic thing in the world. I don't know. <laughs> um yeah it's won some awards it's an award-winning tower oh my god i love it i didn't know that part yeah (laughs) just like yeah it's there it's a water tower yep (laughs) most phallic symbol and i was like oh yes i even showed it to my mom i was like oh have you seen the water tower and she was like no and i kind of snickered and she's like what what's what's so big about this water tower i was like you'll see (laughs) and so we're driving down washington she's like well where's the tower where's the tower it's like it will appear over the horizon yeah as, and it did. And she was like, oh, whoa, I see what you mean. <laughs> and then when her boyfriend, later her boyfriend was visiting also, and uh, we took him to see the tower. <laughs> yeah, so we, so we, uh, slightly less amused. <laughs> we, we bring people specifically to Ipsy to look at this thing. Yeah, and a, a popular t-shirt too you see around town is a picture of the tower and it says Ipsilani is happy to see you. Yep. That's our beloved tower. Uh-huh. That's our claim to fame, baby. Even I would say, like Domino's Pizza, whatever. We have the brick dick. Yep. <laughs> Most phallic tower in the world. <laughs> anyway. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah, going on. <laughs> yes, we, also, we also had some famous residents. Um, the most well-known being Iggy Pop. He grew up on Carpenter Road. Yep. And Rosie the Riveter. Um, the famous World War II icon. They have that. I don't know if they've done it the last few years, but there's usually a giant Rosie gathering where people dress as Rosie and gather at the Willow Run Airport. And they're in competition with the city of California for who has the most Rosies in one location. Yeah. A um, couple of my friends have done it. They dressed up their daughter. And yeah, it was, it was cute. That's awesome. Um, and there's a great story of Iggy Pop. Um, he was still living at home in the trailer with his mom. I, I don't know if his dad was there, but his mom was there. And David Bowie came to visit because uh, he wanted to do something with Iggy Pop or something. He'd heard Iggy Pop and was like, wow, this guy's great. So he drove up in his very nice car and his very nice clothes and his, I'm assuming, bodyguards and to this little trailer that I, I've been to the trailer park. I've seen it. And uh, I guess David Bowie was super chill. And Iggy Pop was just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. David Bowie <laughs> is coming to this trailer. Like, Yeah. I'm but, trying, uh, yeah, I'm trying to imagine David Bowie driving down Carpenter because I know where the trailer park is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I've, I've had other people tell me, oh, no, that's not the trailer park. But the majority of people agree that's the trailer park. Yeah, I think I, so. I, I think so. I, I, there aren't too many, really. <clears throat> um, there are some further out, but. No, yeah. we, don't have, we don't have a lot. But. We really don't. Maybe there were more back then. I don't know. But yeah, David Bowie visited Iggy Pop and his. Uh, trailer park home with his parents because he was young right yeah and he probably didn't have you know the money to do all the shit that Iggy Pop does now so right I mean musicians 
famously don't make a lot of money, truly. And then, of course, there were the Michigan murders in which John Norman Collins allegedly, allegedly killed seven or possibly more women between 1966 and 1969, which also just so happens to be the first haunted location on our podcast tonight. If you'd like to know more about the Michigan murders, however, we have a Patreon. Every month, barring me working myself to death, which is no longer an issue, hooray! We post a blog on one of the true crime tales from Michigan's past. This month, I posted a detailed blog on the Crouch murders this month being, last month actually, posted a detailed blog on the Crouch murders of Jackson County. There have also been write-ups on the St. Aubin Street Massacre and, of course, the Michigan murders. Most of which have ghost stories attached, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they all do, actually, I'm, yeah. I'm sure many listeners recognize the Crouch murders of Jackson County. Yeah. Which we will talk about in another podcast. Hey! But enough shameless promotion. On to the ghosts. <laughs> That's why we're here. You know it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and heads up. The first place we talk about involves some details of the Michigan murders. So content warning for death, sexual assault, and dismemberment. I know my mother vividly remembers when these happened. Um, A lot lot of people do. Yeah. Yeah. Because it really wasn't that long ago. It wasn't. Truly. John Norman Collins terrorized Ipsy and the surrounding area for four years in the late 60s. He is allegedly responsible for the deaths of seven or more college students, although he was only convicted of murdering one, Karen Sue Bynaman. But it was his first victim, Mary Therese Flesher, that is the subject of this haunting. At the intersection of Gettys and LaForge Road sits an old, old silo. A farmhouse used to stand near it, and that property is where Collins took Flesher and ended her life. She was severely beaten, stabbed, sexually assaulted, and had several limbs severed from her body. She was discovered a month after her murder by two teenage boys on the grounds outside the farmhouse. The house is long gone by now, but you can still see the silo from the road. I assume Geddes has been closed at that part and under construction for like months now, so I haven't been able to check, but I presume. It's a creepy road all on its own with foliage on all sides of the narrow lanes and no streetlights to speak of. But there's more than just the ambiance at play. It is rumored that the ghost of a woman walks down the road at night and that if you pass her on or the property on which she was murdered, the trunk of your car pops open on its own. That would be freaky. But I don't know why it's the trunk. Uh, At the time of this writing, Kay hasn't found anything that said he stuffed the women in the trunk of his Mm -mm. car. And I am, yeah, I haven't really heard that either. Um, Of course, I don't know how we would know that details. Uh, Although in most cases, we don't know how he moved the women around. So trunk is pretty, you know. Uh, Maybe Mary is trying to get attention and manipulating trunk latches is easier than moving other things. Uh, Maybe people hit a particularly bad bump on the road. This is Michigan. As we said, Getty's is under construction for a reason. (laughs) Uh, But her vision walking down the road sounds familiar. I wonder if she's also dressed in white, perhaps. Maybe a more 60s dress than her predecessors. Uh, I do find it fascinating that she's also named Mary. What does this sound like? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Popular urban legend. Yep, we we have her too. Uh, The next haunting keeps us on Geddes Road. Supposedly, the ghost of a nurse haunts the two-lane road. 
She's another late night wanderer. So we have two. A woman in a nurse's uniform strolls down the road who disappears as you pass her and isn't there if you look into your rearview mirror. According to rumor, she was a nurse on her way to work when she was murdered. But nothing says how, just that she was left for dead. How specific. Right? <laughs> well, unsurprisingly, there's no news story or article to back this up. We don't have a name or any document talking about a nurse murdered on Gettys. However, there was a nurse named Pauline Campbell that was murdered in Ann Arbor on Ann Street in 1951. Funnily enough, not too far from where Kay wrote this episode. <laughs> yep, I, I've read those news articles. Yep. <laughs> Uh, anyway, no sign of a haunting where Pauline met her unfortunate end. Only a lonely nurse wandering down a forested stretch of road at night. Yep, that's it. That's all there is. Left for uh, dead. Yeah, I, I mean, we have two major hospital systems in this area, so. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I don't know. But Geddes is now, Geddes is home to like two Resurrection Marys. Yeah. So. It's a, it's a long road. <laughs> it is it is defense it's a long road but it's they're pretty close to one another like it's it's within the confines of ipsy so it sort of starts the road that turns into gettys or, or at least turns up with it does start along the medical campus in ann arbor yeah, yeah. and it goes close-ish to saint joseph mercy so that's true yeah if you hear purring in the mic dear michigals this is my cat sigrin she is a butt Oh, her little mew. She learned how to jump on the desk. <laughs> this is the highest thing she can jump on. She can't jump on anything taller than this. Good job, you... Sig. <laughs> can you stop showing off your butt? Can you not walk on my... Okay, cool. That's fine. Forget nope. it. <clears throat> you know. <laughs> when we've asked around about haunted places, or when we've been in conversation about local haunts, the first thing someone says is, did you know the firehouse is haunted? The answer is yes. Yes, we did. And we'd like to finally talk about it. Yep, I actually went to the first like paranormal get together <laughs> at the firehouse um, before COVID shut down. That's where we met Johnny Elteni, actually. Yeah. So the Michigan Firehouse Museum, located just outside Ipsy's Depot Town, is one of the city's best attractions. The original firehouse is from 1898 and still contains its brass pole and bunk area, which you can go see. Mm-hmm. The museum itself, established in 1998, boasts 26,000 square feet to display firefighting relics from the past to the present. According to local wiki Ann Arbor, quote, the depot town rag notes that the firehouse was constructed to <laughs> mollify the west side acrimony. Beautiful. <laughs> With the north end of the Thompson block in depot town serving as the east side's firehouse, end quote. Apparently, Ipsy didn't have enough firehouses for its growing size. Ironically, the building has had two fires in its history, one in 1901 and the other in 1922. And that's where the legends of the Firehouse Museum begins and ends. I just want to point out that um, the West Siders were like, we're not going to share. Something about the West Side, man. <laughs> the, the, the West Side of Ann Arbor, too. <laughs> no we no obviously this this this, only one firehouse per side thank you very much and if you drive through both ann arbor and ipsy actually (laughs) um the nicer nicer homes and such are are really on the west side and the east side is a little 
we're left to our own devices over here. Last okay? night, I was warned actually when I was looking for an apartment um, by coworkers when I worked in Ann Arbor. I've always worked in Ann Arbor, uh, <laughs> and they were saying like, "Oh, don't go past, don't go past Depot Town. Is that River Street?" Yeah, River. Like, like, yeah, don't go, don't go past there. Don't go past there. I know that Ipsy has changed a lot in the past fifteen years. It's changed drastically, but as yeah. someone oh, yeah. who has now spent half over half a decade on Ipsy's east side, we're cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're fine. Thank I mean, you. E- yeah, even living in Ann Arbor, I would go to parties. I knew people that lived here, and yeah. I've not really had a bad experience. I had one guy flag me down and try to get in my car once, and I was like, "No, thanks," and I kept driving. Ah, <laughs> uh, no. That's that, I mean, you get that anywhere. People do that in Kalamazoo. They do it everywhere. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, anyway, back to the firehouse. The legend of the Ipsy Firehouse states that Alonzo Miller, fire chief from the early 1900s, died in the fire in 1922. It is his spirit that haunts the firehouse museum, unable or unwilling to leave his life's work behind. However, Chief Miller didn't die in that fire. In fact, he lived until 1940. His family debunked the myth themselves. But this apparently hasn't stopped the legend from continuing on. It also hasn't stopped people from experiencing strange things or seeking them out. According to hauntedplaces.org, which we should mention perpetuates the incorrect myth, People have experienced, quote, knocks, bangs, whispers, voices, and doors that open and close on their own, end quote. One of the commenters on the website described a door opening on its own when she approached it. Another commenter spoke of a tingling feeling she'd never felt before happening when she visited the museum. But perhaps the biggest draw is that of Chief Miller himself. The debunked myth hasn't stopped people from visiting the museum in the hopes of seeing the chief, who is said to haunt the firehouse he worked for so many years. The Metro Times, in a piece they wrote on the museum hosting Paracon in 2018, said, quote, immediately after his death, Miller's crews reported hearing strange noises in the station, with reports extending into the 1970s, unquote. A commenter on MichiganHauntedHouses.com claims that his father owned the building in the 1980s and he experienced strange sounds and things moving on their own. We haven't found anybody who has seen a full apparition, but many people believe what they're feeling is the chief himself. Yep. And they talked about that uh, quite extensively at Paracon, um, which I really hope they start up again because that was fantastic. Um, Everybody there was great. And I, I actually did learn quite a bit about firehouse history as well, looking at the the different things i learned about fire grenades yeah those um, are cool that was pretty sweet uh, but they have some you can go look at them but we did not pay the extra money to stay the night and actually do the investigation and i didn't end up talking to anyone afterwards if they got anything but i thought that was a pretty cool thing for them to offer yeah for sure i would love to do that yeah and the the guy who was i, I don't know his title but basically in charge of the museum Uh, director or something yeah and he told us all kinds of stories that people employees have said happened and he seemed not necessarily oh yeah it's totally haunted just that uh, just that there's something going on yeah fair Um, enough and he was perfectly open to talking to people obviously he he helped organize the paracon he was open to doing more he was really excited about it but um he he didn't necessarily come straight out and go oh yeah it's haunted by chief miller he didn't necessarily say that but 
there's something going on there. And uh, the director was freely talking about it. The employees are freely talking about it. So cool. That's awesome. Yeah. It's not it's not often it's starting to be more common, but it's not often that a place is so open about the prospect of being haunted. Yeah. It's changing definitely because the paranormal is popular gestures at our own podcast. Mm-hmm. But it's still not like everybody and their mom is is playing up or confessing, I guess, to their business right. being haunted. And the, one of the reasons, I guess, I was told uh, they, they think it was Chief Miller is because like he was a bit of a jokester, a prankster in life. And some of the things that happen are, you know, things disappearing, like pranks, yeah. I guess. Okay. Um, so that's kind of why they think it's him. Fair enough. And then I, I, I'm assuming then people heard about, oh, it's haunted by Chief Miller. Yeah. He must, he must have died there because obviously the only reason a place is haunted is because someone <laughs> died there. Right. Like. That's it. That's it. You have one reason. Yeah. Oh, died like I, and tragically. Sorry. It has to yeah, be very died, specific. Yeah, you have to die tragically. Yes. That's it. But that just seems silly to me. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> knows it's the only way you get ghosts, Krista. Yeah, and that's how people will debunk ghosts. Like, well, ghosts aren't real because nobody died there tragically, so therefore it can't be haunted. Like, what? Right. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> how narrow-minded of you. Like, what the heck? I know, I know. <laughs> part of why we're doing this yeah change my that parameter jeez <laughs> probably the victorians Maybe, I'm gonna I mean, they, they I'm really did like spooky ghost stories yeah and tragedy they, they also believed in um people coming to like visit you right after uh, they passed true. like to come that's say true. goodbye you know yeah fair enough all right fine victorians you get a pass this time uh our next location is a place i have driven by a hundred times and never looked at twice I used to work in Milan and I took Whitaker down from the apartment Krista and I shared. I have seen this house so many times. It's actually really gorgeous with a ton of land around it. And that was my dog chasing my cat out of the office. I think the worst part is that that part of, I'm pretty sure it's actually pronounced Bemis Road isn't paved. Yep. Yeah. Bemis Road isn't paved. And that part sucks for me, the Californian. However, we don't have a lot of info on the history of the house, even if we do have a fair bit about the happenings. The most we really know is that Miss, Mrs. Whitaker of Whitaker fame in this part of uh, Michigan passed away in the house. She's buried in Albin Cemetery just down Bemis Road. People have claimed to see her apparition, mostly in the upstairs bedrooms. According to MLive, quote, she opens doors and knocks down pictures and paintings from the walls. Residents have reported hearing her disembodied footsteps throughout the house, end quote. And our favorite resource, 99 WFMK, I love how radio stations are super into ghosts. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they back this up by stating that residents over the years have claimed seeing and feeling the same things. Apparently, Mrs. Whitaker really enjoyed her home. She seems very reluctant to leave to the point that an apparition of a woman can sometimes be seen upstairs. No one has mentioned Mr. Whitaker, however. I wonder if he wasn't so enamored. <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, but this means your haunted mitten hosts have a new cemetery to visit. Woo! We do! Yay! <laughs> I've, been to, I've been to a fair amount, and I know you have too, and, and we've been to many together as well. Yeah. But I didn't even know there was one down there because cemeteries 
Well, I think cemeteries are probably this half of the U.S. could sometimes just be anywhere, just like yeah, kind in a corner. Yeah, you see a lot of little <laughs> ones in the the country, and they are little, very little. Yeah, there's um, one that's actually not that far from me on Michigan. No, on be. no, uh, on Plymouth. When you're going towards downtown Plymouth, so you take like Prospect mm-hmm. to where it dead ends at Plymouth and you take Plymouth there's one along that road and there's nowhere to stop and I am super sad about it because it looks really old <laughs> and I that the one Greg and I went to maybe I don't know yeah I think it is um gosh I can't tell you what it's called but it's it's really neat there's some beautiful old tombs there um and someone still decorates the graves of war heroes yeah it's definitely taken care of like they're still Yep. Somebody is putting fresh, fresh memorials. Yeah, and it's graves. it's for a community that doesn't quite exist anymore. You get that a lot around here too. Um, when we were when we were a more agrarian society, there were different parts of the counties that were more populated or more centers of people that just aren't anymore. Right. People yep. stopped farming. People stopped going to those churches. They stopped going to those towns. Yep. And they kind of exist but they're mostly just houses and suburbs now right they've been incorporated into other places yeah yeah i can't remember what that one was called greg might know he might remember i don't know Um, but yeah it was neat i took a bunch of pictures i think you might be able to see them on my facebook actually okay which is at krista k coburn Uh, hey (laughs) self-plug there (laughs) all right well Starkweather is a name long associated with Ipsy. It is lovingly adorned across multiple buildings in town, and the chapel in Highland Cemetery proudly bears the family name above the rough stone doorway. There are a few buildings claiming to be haunted that used to belong to the Starkweathers, but this one in particular also happened to be our public library until the mid-1960s. Mary Ann Starkweather donated her home to the Ladies' Library in 1868, taking them from a small one-room collection of books to an entire house available to hold tons more. Love it. They it's love really it. beautiful too. I've walked by it many times. Oh, it's gorgeous. Waymarking.com has this to say about the former home. Quote, the Starkweather house was transferred from the city to private owners. The Ypsilanti Historical Museum houses the renovated stained glass window from the front of the ladies' library and many other impressive exhibits of Ypsilanti history. The Starkweather house was the home of Elijah McCoy and a stop for the Underground Railroad, end quote, which is pretty damn cool, honestly. We have That's a lot of those so around cool. here. That's so cool. Yeah. Love it. <clears throat> While we couldn't find much on Mrs. Starkweather, apparently she was a very generous but private lady. Uh, her, app- her apparition has been seen plenty of times in the old building. She's been seen by employees walking the halls and stairway, and footsteps are heard often on the upper floors. 99 WFMK reports that a janitor once felt phantom hands on him in the basement, too. Ooh. <laughs> uh, just outside Ipsy is Willow Run Airport, home of the Yankee Air Museum, Thunder Over Michigan Air Show, which um, some friends of ours, some family friends of mine are uh, big fans of, Rosie the Riveter, and plenty of spooky activity. Uh, some history on the airport from Wikipedia. Quote, Opened in 1942, Willow Run was synonymous with the American industrial effort that contributed so much to Allied victory in World War II. 
operated by the Ford Motor Company, the Willow Run Manufacturing Plant produced a total of 8,685 B-24 Liberator heavy bombers before a closure in April 1945. Willow Run produced more Liberators than either plant owned by the plane's designer, Consolidated Aircraft. Today, the Yankee Air Museum in one of the airport hangars has a large collection of vintage aircraft, end quote. If you'll recall our episode on the UFOs over Dexter in the 1960s, unexplained craft were seen all over the southeast region of Michigan. This includes Willow Run, where Jeff Westover saw, quote, a barbell-shaped craft comprised of two white spheres connected by a thin bar that revolved horizontally on an axis, unquote, according to what he told the National UFO Network, as reported in Mimi Updergrove's book, Ann Arbor Ghosts. Supposedly around the site, which at one time were actually homesteads, camera batteries go dead and strange mists and faces sometimes appear in photos. UFOs appearing over airports and military bases is a thing. If you've seen something strange around Will Run, we absolutely want to hear about it. Please tell us what you saw. I saw something. Hey, yes, you did. (laughs) I did. It was when I was living in Belleville, um, so east of Ypsilanti. Yeah, for those who don't know. And there was just this bright light thing sort of <laughs> there in the sky. Um, and then and I was I was driving on the highways, I was kind of looking at it and but mostly paying attention to the road. And then it shot across the sky towards the Detroit airport, actually, which is sort of across the road down the highway from Willow Run. And that was weird. I didn't think too much of the light until it went shooting across the sky. Right. And then I was like, what the hell was that? I don't know, I like, man. Yeah, I get, and I've told other locals that, and they're like, oh, yeah, strange lights are always seen over Willow Run. Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> it's just, just a thing. Okay. It's just a thing. It's fine. Like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if some of the objects in the museum um, could possibly be haunted. I don't know. So I haven't been to this museum. I've been to the Kalamazoo Air Museum. And they have several objects from World War II and um, yeah. planes and things. And some of the hauntings there, which we'll definitely talk about in Kalamazoo episode, yeah. but um, they are, are thought to be the objects themselves, um, that the, the museum itself isn't necessarily haunted, but it's been what's brought in. Okay, that's fair. Because, um, I mean, people died in those planes. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, not like, <laughs> it's not like any of the wars that we got these artifacts from were like nice and cuddly like these right. are tragic objects in and of themselves yeah so yeah i haven't i haven't heard anything i haven't been into willow run yet. i feel like i should <laughs> i know <laughs> me too, too. it's a part it's like in partnership with the hands-on museum so i feel even worse because i'm like oh <laughs> i really i really should have been there by now yeah i haven't one day maybe we can go and we can talk to people that'd be cool Finally tonight, we'd like to talk about a place that's no longer standing, but is still remembered as one hell of a haunted place, the Ypsilanti State Hospital. And I actually know people who visited this place when it was still standing. The hospital complex was located at the northeast corner of Platt and Willis Roads in technically York Charter Township. It was named for Ypsilanti because it served the Ipsy Telephone Exchange old-timey days oh yeah um (laughs) it was designed by albert khan love him oh love him (laughs) i don't have i I think i've mentioned albert khan before you have that's why Um, i was like 
I'm gonna give this part to Krista because yeah. she's gonna she knows who that is and she's oh. gonna talk about it. <laughs> he was this is um, it was opened in 1931. So he was a you know a huge, huge, huge Detroit architect, Michigan architect based in Detroit um, in the early 20th century. If you go to Detroit, you can go on tours, architectural tours, and you'll run into him everywhere. Probably a number of listeners are like, oh yeah, I know that guy. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. He's like I think like, as far as Michigan is concerned, he's up there with like Wright. He's great. For sure. The, the Ipsy hospital he designed was a huge complex with emphasis on recreation as a main component to healing. So actually pretty smart. Yeah. Uh, so the grounds included a golf course and an ice skating rink in winter, plus gardens for patients to grow their own food, as well as therapy buildings and family units. But of course... Like all supposedly haunted hospitals, it wasn't all gardening and golf. According to worldabandoned.com, quote, experimental therapies such as needle showers. The hell is that? Yeah. No, I said those two words together as a unit. Needle showers, ultraviolet radiations, and electric shock therapies were introduced. Prefrontal lobotomies were also performed at the hospital. In 1941, the U.S. Army... Why did I give myself this word? In 1941, the U.S. Army Epidemiological Board's Commission on Influenza tested 200 patients in Ypsilanti with an experimental flu vaccine, end quote. You know, all the quote-unquote normal things that happened in hospitals back in the day that could totally lead to enough trauma to make the entire complex uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, these were pretty, pretty standard, unfortunately. Yeah. Um... Still don't know what a needle shower is. Not going to look it up no totally like, i i, I kind of get the other stuff man i read a really great biography um about lobotomies i know that sounds weird <laughs> okay all right needle showers not as horrific as i thought okay. it's just very very directed jets of water all around the torso i was gonna Got say it. that sounds good except for the torso part so if you are interested in sort of that period in history and lobotomies <laughs> he wanted the moon by Mimi baird is fantastic i read it in like one day so it's not very long okay um and i met Mimi baird uh that's actually i was selling her book at a um talk she was giving at u of m that's how I, I did it and then while i was waiting i read the book <laughs> just as her speech was probably a couple hours and other people spoke and stuff so I read most of the book while I was sitting there waiting for everyone to come out it's about her father Dr. Perry Baird and she didn't really know him he um, I believe he was bipolar I think that was his diagnosis and back then <laughs> they didn't really talk about these things um, but he was a doctor and he chronicled his own illness and he did get um, institutionalized I don't remember where and he kept his journals in the institution. Oh. And he just kind of, is, from his daughter's perspective, he just disappeared one night and then just dad didn't exist anymore. And no one really told her anything because you didn't talk about that stuff. Right. So as an adult, she kind of wanted to learn more about her father and what happened to him and found his journals and ended up writing this book. And it's, it's pretty extraordinary, actually. So highly recommend that book. He Wanted the Moon by Mimi Baird. Okay. And he was, he was given a lobotomy as part of his treatment and then released and allowed to live on his own. But as a result of the lobotomy, he got um, seizures. 
Brian, he ended up dying, I think in Michigan, actually. I think he lived in Detroit. Uh, in the bathtub, he had a seizure in the bathtub and drowned. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but he did come to see the family after he was released after the lobotomy. And she kind of like peeked downstairs because he wasn't allowed to see her. And yeah. she thought he was drunk. Everybody thought he was drunk, but it was the result of the lobotomy. Got it. Yeah. So really cool book if you're if you're into state hospitals and stuff, and I'm assuming a lot of our listeners are. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> they're all said to be haunted. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great book. Awesome. Great book. Uh, last podcast on the left also has an episode or two on the history of the lobotomy and famous people like Rosemary Kennedy. Yeah. That, were, case was that they were sad. forced upon. <laughs> Nobody, I don't yeah. think, ever willingly got a lobotomy. Yeah. People were doomed to their kids. A lobotomy. Yeah. And some of the kids, it's like, oh, he had ADHD and got yep. a lobotomy because his parents were like, oh, he's too unruly. Just lobotomize yep. him. So messed up. It's, it's fucked. Speaking of fucked. Oh, oh, of course you gave me this part. Oh. Yeah. You know I did. <laughs> In 1991, Michigan State Hospitals were defunded by Governor Engler. Boo! Oh, I hate him so much. Leaving thousands of patients homeless. I remember this because my father worked for the Kalamazoo State Hospital. I think I've mentioned that before. Um, So I remember this extremely well. Mm -hmm. Extremely well. Uh, I was nine in 1991. Uh, They were discharged with nothing to their name. And as you can imagine, a lot of them didn't have anywhere to go or anyone to turn to. So they went on the streets. Shock. Um, so thanks for that, Engler. You thanks. Ugh. I remember he's, he was a big fan of group homes. He was a Reaganite. Yeah. And I know when they did eventually shut the Kalamazoo one down, Kalamazoo was one of the last ones to be shut down. One of the patients my dad was really familiar with, and he was extremely violent. He was in there for, I think, killing someone. They sent him to a group home. And surprise, surprise, he killed the woman in charge of the group home. No way. Good job, Engler. Good job. It's not like literally everyone could see that coming. Yeah. So Toyota actually ended up buying the Ipsy complex and tore down the hospital in 2006. So it was empty for a while Mm -hmm. um, to create the Toyota Technical Center. I think I have friends that work there, actually. Probably. (laughs) Um, But today, nothing remains of the original state hospital. Except maybe the ghosts. Mm-hmm. While there haven't been reports from Toyota that we could find, because it's Toyota, they wouldn't report that, no. there were tales of eerie moans and wails coming from the abandoned structures before the car company took over. People had uneasy feelings on the property and a, sigh, satanic room with a pentagram on the floor and H.P. Lovecraft quotes scribbled on the walls was apparently on one of the floors of the hospital. I'm just going to skip right past that. But hey, yeah. there might have been enough happening in the hospital to have left some energy behind, or there definitely was. Or maybe there was something there to begin with, even before the hospital was built. If only we could go investigate. Yeah, I haven't heard anything from my friends no. that worked there. I mean, with this, the satanic room, the pentagram, the HP Lovecraft, kids are dumb. Just like, kids are dumb. Have to say that. Kids are dumb. <laughs> I mean, kids. could they have you know inadvertently drawn something to that area with their foolish shenanigans totally <laughs> yeah they could have i don't know just just by being kids with a bunch of energy alone yeah and yeah. and not not knowing what they were doing and trying to you know quote unquote summon something yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they could have stirred up some energy 
Eh, it's not there, so you can't go investigate. Nope. But weird things were definitely happening while the hospital was in operation as well. And they had little to do with the paranormal. You might recognize the names Clyde Benson, Joseph Castle, and Leon Gaber. These were three men who all believed they were Jesus Christ. And social psychologist, oh boy, Milton Rokich? I think it's Rokich. I'm waiting on that movie. I've got it on hold at the library. <laughs> I, fi- I figured you had either already seen it or you were, or it was uh, planned. <laughs> I'm, waiting. I'm waiting for it to come in. Um, so he performed an experiment on these three, putting them all in Ipsy State Hospital. Kind of just to see what happened, basically. <laughs> um, okay, he hoped the experiment would lead to a lessening of their psychoses, but all it really did was convince convince each one of them that they were the real Christ and the other two were either crazy or dead and hallucinating. (laughs) Weird stuff, man. There's a book about it uh, and the movie. The book is called The Three Christs of Ypsilanti and the movie is titled just The Three Christs and I really want to watch it. It's got a hell of a cast too. I know, it looks so good. (laughs) But yeah, the movie is just called The Three Christs because nobody would be able to pronounce Ypsilanti. Yeah. (laughs) They probably think it's like a fictional place or something. <laughs> um, I I mean, Ipsy has been used a couple times. Like I know it was in an episode of Supernatural. And I know it's been in a couple other things because I think it's just the dumbest sounding name. And it just sounds like a completely made up place. Like there's no place in the Midwest called Ypsilanti. Yeah, Jokes on it's, you, there's two. It's true. <laughs> and a lot of a lot of movies have been filmed here. Um, I watched a film being filmed here you um, did not too long after i moved here actually um it was uh, the five-year engagement yeah which is fun it's a cute movie i recommend it it's it's a rom-com but it's also a fairly intelligent rom-com okay uh it's a little more on the dramatic side i think it actually does look at the nuances of relationships um i did a lot of oh hey oh hey oh hey <laughs> i think that's what i would do too <laughs> yeah. um, and they, uh, they tried to film at Zingerman's. Zingerman's is in it. But Zingerman's was like, yeah, hell no, we're not shutting down for a day for you to film in our shop. So they filmed at the Jefferson Market, which you and I have eaten at. Yeah. Um, and then they couldn't shut down Liberty to shoot in front of the Michigan Theater or the State Theater. So they converted the marquee of the uh, Gentleman's Club in Ypsilanti. <laughs> <laughs> um. And they filmed there. And that's that's the scene that I saw. I was at a friend's uh, divorce party. Yeah. And I was walking with another friend. And we looked down the street and we're like, what the hell is going on? Um, and they had it all blocked off. And like a, when we approached a barricade, like a cop came out of his car. And he's like, oh, are you going to the divorce party? And we said, yeah. He's like, okay, cool. <laughs> and we're like, why does this cop know about the divorce party? And it was because the house where a friend was having the party was inside the barricaded neighborhoods oh, for, yeah, the, for yeah. the film okay. crew. But yeah, that was that was cool. Ipsy's been in quite a few things. Oh yeah. Um, no ghosts in that one, just haunted relationships. Oh, nice. But good movie. Nice. <laughs> uh, well, that's all for now. All of the books we mentioned in the podcast are available at bookshop.org slash shop slash haunted mitten if you want to read more haunted stories and would like to get your own copy 
Every purchase benefits this podcast, as well as the independent bookstore of your choice, and of course, the authors, whom uh, most of whom are fellow Michiganders. It's a win-win-win. Don't forget to like and review Haunted Mittens so more people find us. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at, Haunt- at Haunted Mitten. And I just, about 30 minutes, or no, I guess right before we started recording, so like an hour and a half ago, uh, hooked us up on Stitcher. So now we're on Stitcher. Because I know nice. that's, a, that's a big one. Yep. So just did it. We should be up there within the next 48 hours. Um, we're also on Patreon, as we said earlier. $1 a month gives you access to the private Haunted Mitten Discord server, as well as exclusive Patreon content, including the audio recording of our very first live presentation at Frankenfest Detroit about historic Fort Wayne, and our presentation for the Pinkney Library. You can also email us at contacthauntedmitten at gmail.com if you have a story or want to get in contact about a collaboration or sponsorship. You can find me, Kay Gray, at kgraywrites. Uh, one word at pretty much most social medias, but definitely the Twitters and the Instagrams. And you can find me, Krista, again at Krista K. Coburn, C-R-Y-S-T-A-K-C-O-B-U-R-N. And we have merch. Woo! I'm sure you've heard us mention it. Uh, Go to maybe. hauntedmitten.store for all your HM needs. We hope to have some other designs up going up soon, and I know they've just released some new items too that you can get your logo or what have you on so i'll I'll hopefully be working on that suit as well heck yeah get your uh car decals they hold up really well in snow yeah i'm so pleased with that it's the only one that still looks good on my car right yeah mine too (laughs) and as always happy haunting